Welcome to Greg Kelly Reports. I'm Michael Grimm, in for Greg this evening. The woke left, they're in full control of our politics, economy, media, education, even our culture. They've embraced a corrosive, destructive agenda of zero direct consequences and absolutely no accountability. And I said direct consequences for a reason, which I'll get back to. But here at home, Soros-funded prosecutors have literally dismantled the criminal justice system. They've allowed violence and looting just to go unpunished, driving hardworking Americans like you and your neighbors out of crumbling inner cities, all while the deranged Trump haters destroy the rule of law and make a mockery of the court system altogether. This lax, hands-off agenda extends, of course, to the rabid anti-American protesters, almost certainly funded by the very same far-left donors who are shutting down our cities and taking over the U.S. Capitol, screaming anti-Semitic genocidal chants, and now even openly supporting the Iran-backed Houthi terrorists who are attacking American troops and ships in the Middle East. Who's held accountable for this culture of anarchy and violence? No one. On the border, the left is plainly allowing a full-on invasion of our nation, inviting in millions of military-age males who share none of our values, and many of whom have no desire at all to assimilate, completely wiping out centuries of American sovereignty that our ancestors bled and died defending. This, of course, also spirals into a cataclysmic drug and sex trafficking crisis, leading to over 100,000 fentanyl overdose deaths each year, and just as many migrants ending up as slaves to the cartels forced into unpaid labor and sex slavery. Where's the accountability? absolutely nowhere to be found. And Republicans in Congress can't even muster the moral fortitude to impeach DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, the planner-in-chief of this invasion. And trust me, it is an invasion. He joined the pointless meeting in Mexico yesterday just to conclude, stating that the borders will remain open. Yeah, I said that. The borders will remain open. That's what he came across with. Because it's working, right, Alejandro? Our approach to managing the borders securely and humanely, even within our fundamentally broken immigration system, is working. And when it comes to our pocketbooks, the situation is just as dire. Mortgage payments have skyrocketed 90% since Biden took office, with food and energy prices soaring as well. Joe Biden can tout Bidenomics all he wants, but the facts don't lie, as we're now facing historic levels of homelessness and credit card debt. You know, because Bidenomics was the talk of the town and the best thing since sliced bread, right? President Biden lays out his so-called Bidenomics plan. Bidenomics is a, a, a simple and straightforward principle. The White House calls this Bidenomics. Bidenomics. Get used to it. Bidenomics, which is the word of the day, word of the week, word of the month, word of the year. You don't like Bidenomics? No, I'm just asking. I'm I curious. I think it's pretty clever. It's pretty good. And guess what? Bidenomics is working. Yeah, not so much, Joe, but where does this all come from? Joe Biden's drunken spending binge on pet projects like, you know, the Green New Deal and charter flights for his army of illegals, sending inflation to historic highs and interest rates surging to catch up. Who's held accountable for this? No one. Janet Yellen and her cabal of central planners sit as mightier than ever. And Biden instead comes out once a month to tell the press to stop reporting on the ugly realities of the actual economy. Well, maybe we can look to the future, or can we? 
Our schools are failing with students across America barely being able to read or write. Test scores at record lows in math, reading, science. But critical race theory and the gay or transgender indoctrination, those are at all-time highs. Parents get stripped of their rights, and then they're investigated as domestic terrorists. But school officials, oh, they're protected with a very broad veil of immunity. And who's fired when so many students fail basic standardized tests? Who's held accountable when these students can't complete anything or even compete later in life with a global workforce? Absolutely no one. And that's why I said direct consequences earlier. These poor children who are being forgotten and left behind by the woke radical agenda will most certainly have to live with the direct consequences. And that's just at home. Abroad, the situation's even worse. First, we had Afghanistan, a humiliating debacle with, with Biden leaving over a dozen American soldiers dead and the Taliban freshly equipped with a billion in American weapons and gear. Then we had the war in Ukraine, with Biden's clumsy, feckless attempts at diplomacy, failing to deter Russia's invasion, leaving Europe with the biggest land war since World War II. We have a half a million in casualties and many more millions in displaced refugees. But just to note, the American people are right about this war. 62% of Americans have said that this war wouldn't have happened under President Donald Trump, and indeed it wouldn't have. Right now, though, we have the crisis in the Middle East, where Iran took the nearly, and listen to this number, $100 billion that Joe Biden allowed them to pocket from oil sales and unfrozen assets. And what did they do? Immediately used it to massacre innocent Israelis and Americans. And they continue, even today, using Biden's billions to launch over 100 attacks on American army bases and paralyze global trade by essentially shutting down the Suez Canal. Has Lloyd Austin lost his job? How about Antony Blinken? Did a single commander or Pentagon official face justice uh, for the Kabul fiasco? No, of course not. There, there hasn't been so much as an apology. Fortunately, in America, we do have one final unstoppable measure of accountability, and that's elections. But even that's under fire from the Bidens. As I mentioned a few moments ago, with Soros-backed attempts to strip former President Trump of the 20, off the 2020-2024 ballot. And a concerned, concerted effort by the DOJ-led effort to throw Trump in jail before voters can even get a chance to have a say. This is arguably the greatest effort at election interference in our entire nation's history. Well, consequences matter. Accountability matters. And the truth matters. That is why these anti-American authoritarians will ultimately face defeat. And democracy must and will prevail. And as a United States Marine, I was taught to never give up, never leave a Marine behind, and always have faith in my God, my country, and my core. So that's exactly what I intend to do. Let's bring in our political panel, analyst Mark Halpern and former speaker of Oklahoma House of Representatives and Newsmax contributor T.W. Shannon. Thanks for joining me tonight. I appreciate it, gentlemen. Thanks, Michael. It's good, good to, to be here. Happy holidays, Michael. Happy holidays to both of you. All right, Mark, Biden's approval ratings hit an all-time low, uh, you know, because of this ending 2023 with 34 percent. Now, you heard what I was speaking about before. Am I off the mark here or am I right? Because 34 percent, it seems that people are agreeing with me. He's a disaster from everything domestically speaking to 
our, our policies abroad. Michael, good evening. Look, I know it, it's common to look at approval rating, and that 34% number is a grim one, pardon the pun. <laughs> but the real problem is, I think, in the, in a question that's not been asked as often, which is, do you think Joe Biden's policies have helped you and your family? And on that answer, the number's even lower. It's down in the teens. And I think of all the numbers I'll be watching over the next few months to see if Joe Biden has a chance to win this election, that's the one I'm going to watch most closely, because you laid out a litany of things American people look at, many of them, and say, boy, Joe Biden doesn't seem to have helped in those areas. Maybe we need to go in a different direction. That's the danger he faced. Well, T.W., the left's making it obvious that they're scared of what's happening at the moment. You know, just take a listen to Obama's former advisor. How would you be feeling right now holding the hand that Joe Biden has turning into an election year? I would think um, it's, you know, look, look, it's super scary, you know, like the, the fate of the republic is hanging in the balance and there are polls that have Donald Trump leading right now. <laughs> polls have Donald Trump leading right now. It's the end of the world as we know it. I mean, wh what do you think? I think they are scared that Biden can't pull this out. Well, it's interesting to me, Michael, that we're even talking about President Obama, because when you think about all that we're seeing right now in America, whether we're talking about the Biden crime wave or we're talking about the crises that we have in Europe or the crisis we have in the Middle East, this is not by hopping circumstance. It is all by design. Remember, it was President Obama who said that he wanted to fundamentally transform America. And that's exactly what we see with his second, with the third term of Obama with President Biden. What we've seen is a transformation of America, this socialist agenda where people are less safe, they're less free, and they're less prosperous. And they're using this build back better strategy. But frankly, the only people that have built back better under Bidenomics are really the Biden crime family and, and, and really uh, uh, the, the Taliban. Those are the only people in the world that have built back better under the Bidenomic agenda. The truth is Americans are suffering right now. They're less safe, they're less free, and they're less prosperous. And it's a direct result of the policies of Joe Biden. And I think even those that were skeptical of Donald Trump, they didn't like the mean tweets, they didn't like the bravado. Many people are saying, you know, they like the policies. We weren't at war. The, the country was in a lot better position. That's just a fact. No doubt about that. Well, listen, CBS's Catherine Heritage is predicting that something bad may happen in 2024 ahead of the election. Let's just take a listen. I just feel a lot of concern that 2024 may be the year of a black swan event. Mm -hmm. This is a national security event with high impact that's very hard to predict. Um, there are a number of cons uh, concerns that I have that factor into that, and not only this uh, sort of enduring heightened threat level that we're facing, uh, the wars in Israel, also Ukraine, and we're so divided in this country in ways that we haven't seen before. Mark, I'll, I'll go to you on this. You know, do you, you think that she could be right? There could be a black swan event? Well, I definitely agree with her that for the next few months, we need to be able to predict the unpredictable. Uh, she's got good national security sources. And folks in the intelligence committee I've been talking to express a deep concern about sleeper cells, about the prospect of terrorists coming over the unprotected southern border. And so I think what she's referring to is some sort of cataclysmic event. Hope she's wrong, of course. But that would shake up our politics at a time when people are looking at questioning Joe Biden's capacity to do this job. A failure to protect the homeland is something Democrats, I think, are extremely worried about, not just on the substance. Well, TW, TW, I just want, I want to jump on what, what Mark just said about the open border. I mean, I, I served in the military, retired from the FBI. 
an open border like that, I have to assume there are sleeper cells, there are those that want to do us harm already in this country. So it's not uh, far-fetched to believe that something could happen before the election. Yeah, when you've got 16,000 people illegally crossing your border in one day, over 2 million in one year, you have a national security crisis. And I remember, I'm old enough to remember when the left said that border security was a racist issue. It's never been a racist issue. It's a national security issue. But even aside from having the intelligence, I agree with Mark that those in the intelligence community are concerned about what they're seeing because of the open border. But even those of us that are, are, that are average Joe citizens who don't have access to briefings, what we know is with Joe Biden at the helm, nobody feels safe. Things feel less secure in America because we have a leader, frankly, who's not only incompetent, but we question his ability from day to day to make just rational decisions that are in the best interest of America. And then when you put that on top of, if something you know, bad did happen to him, God forbid, you'd be looking at a vice president who's probably in a worse condition. So the fact is, people feel unsafe, they feel uncertain, and it's because of a lack of leadership coming out of Washington, D.C., particularly when we're $34 trillion in debt, and the answer is right. more spending. No, I think you're right on all fronts. We're going to have to leave it there. Great discussion, Mark and T.W. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, Michael. Good Happy job. Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you. All right, now, President Biden vacations while Secretary Blinken and Secretary Mayorkas meet with Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador uh, to discuss the border crisis. More with our border panel after the break. We'll be right back. Information. Truth. Is power is freedom, is money, is health, is Newsmax. Millions watch it, so can you. Newsmax is real news for real people. While President Biden is vacationing on the beach, Secretaries Blinken and Mayorkas made their way to Mexico to discuss the record-breaking surge of migrants crossing into the country with Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador agreeing to, yes, keep the border crossing open. You can't make this stuff up. Among the surge of those flooding into the United States, many migrants are pregnant and admit that they're crossing the border to score a birthright citizenship for their anchor babies to be born inside the United States. Three million Three million pending immigration cases under Biden right now. Meanwhile, a new report shows that the immigration court backlog under the Biden administration has hit a record-breaking high of over three million pending cases. That's a lot to digest, okay? I, I, I don't even know where to begin. So let's bring in our border panel, former Homeland Security Department advisor Charles Marino and former Trump National Security Counsel Fred Flights joining me now. Gentlemen, thank you for taking some time to break this down because the numbers are staggering and overwhelming. Yeah. Charles, let me go to you first. Just let's start, though, by taking a listen to the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, on the president's plans to, listen for this, secure the southern border. 
Where does immigration fall on President Biden's to-do list? Wow. He's thinking about a second yes. term. Yes. He doesn't have a Congress on his side for yeah. this. Where does it fall in terms of a second term? It is a priority. We know that as it relates to the border security specifically, it is a priority for Americans. That's why, let's not forget, on day one of this president's administration, the first legislation that he put forth to Congress was on immigration reform, a comprehensive immigration reform. So it's about three years, and we have not seen any action on that. Right. And we want to work with Congress on that. So the board is out of control, our commander-in-chief's on vacation, yeah. and the Biden press secretary claims the president's taking this issue very, very seriously. Uh, yeah, such a is? priority, right? Yeah, such a priority that three years in, hey, why don't you guys go down to Mexico and see if you can get them to work with us? I mean, it's a joke, right? Look, let's call that meeting down in Mexico what it was. Uh, it was a election strategy meeting with U.S. officials working with a foreign government to come up with some type of a way to lessen the horrific optics while they continue to reach their goals of allowing as many illegal migrants into the country. I wonder how many times the election came up once the cameras left that room the other day during that meeting. I bet you it came up a bunch now that border security and immigration is in the top two of issues for voters for 2024. Yeah, you know, and Fred, coming a little closer to home for me, New York City Mayor Eric Adams turned the city, you know, it was a sanctuary city, but he kept it a sanctuary city, and now he's stuck with the consequences. Take a listen to what he said yesterday. We're seeing uh, the erosion of the quality of life that we've improved on in such a short period of time of this administration. And we have been impacted uh, for, for many uh, months we were able to keep the visualization of this crisis from hitting our streets, but we have reached a breaking point. We're no longer able to do that because of the volume and numbers. All right. So, Fred, Mayor Eric Adams was specifically warned not to let the illegal migrants into New York City. Now he's crying out for help. Is this fair play? I mean, isn't he getting what he asked for he, when, he, when he touted being a sanctuary city? These liberal cities were happy to engage in virtue signaling during the Trump administration by declaring themselves sanctuaries for illegal migrants. And then when there were illegal migrants to go to these cities, they decided they didn't want them. They weren't honest about that. They would like Texas to be sandbagged uh, with these migrants. And I, I want to add on this uh, meeting of Monarchus and Blinken in, in Mexico, I would call it a debacle. The Mexican president wanted to talk about how the U.S. should normalize relations with Cuba and Venezuela before he'll deal. He, he wants to talk about amnesty. He wants to keep the border open. I mean, you're right. It was election engineering, but it really was a debacle for U.S. foreign policy, and it's going to set back our efforts to secure the border. Yeah, I think it's actually worse yeah. than a debacle. I think it's a complete and utter embarrassment because why would why would they do anything to help us right now? They're completely in charge and in command. The United States is feckless with with respect to foreign anything. Well, you know, no, there is no diplomacy going on. But Charles, I want to talk about another Democrat mayor, Brandon Johnson. He's from Chicago. He shared a similar viewpoint. Let's take a listen to him. It won't just be the city of Chicago that won't be able to maintain this mission. It's the entire country that is now at stake. As much as we recognize that there are challenges, significant challenges at the border, and we do need real substantive immigration reform and policies that allow us um, to have a structure and a pathway mm -hmm. um, to citizenship. So Mayor Johnson's immigration policies push Chicago to its breaking point. Um, you know, it's, is this hypocrisy at its highest level? What would you tell him if you could speak to that mayor right now? 
Yeah, I mean, look, it's a money grab. It's a money grab for all these Democrat elected leaders in these sanctuary cities. That's all they want to focus on. And and let's not miss the fact that they're repeating the Democrat talking point that you can't have a secure border unless you have immigration reform, right? They always go to that. And we know that's false. If anything, you've got to have the secure border. You've got to have the operational control before you even attempt to discuss immigration reform. So again, they're not pointing the finger. They don't want to see it solved. They think additional money and resources is going to satisfy their uh, their their concerns. That's all they want. Well, there's no question. I mean, if they were if they were really serious about this, they would simply close the border. I mean, we, we can talk around this subject, all three of us, all night long. It still comes down to the policies. It's not what the Border Patrol can or cannot do. It's, it's not about anything other than the policy that says we are going to open our border and we are going to let you in. And there's no other country. First of all, Mexico also makes money on the cartel side. So they have absolutely they're sending their criminals. They're sending those that they don't want. They're getting paid by the cartels and the United States to, for border security on their side. It's all a joke. And who's losing? The American people. Over and over and over again, the American people pay the bill, and they're the ones who are losing their jobs to migrants uh, and all their services, hospitals overrun, schools overrun. We can go on and on. It's the policies of this administration. Uh, I, I could talk about it all night, but we're going to have to leave it there. Both of you, Charles Marino, Fred Weitz, always good to see you. Thank you. Good to be here. All right, Michael. Thank you. And coming up, Tensions rise between the U.S. and China even more. What does this mean amid our other foreign affairs? We'll be back to discuss with two great patriots, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. As a nation, we're facing tensions from our adversaries across the entire globe. And conflict at home dividing us, that's even more. Our military readiness could literally be at stake. And the Biden administration is not standing strong for the American people. And our so-called leader continues to show weakness on the world stage, potentially as worse as the Carter era. Peace through strength and fair compromise are necessities for our survival. We must remember that America is the greatest nation in the world. And when we don't lead, the world is a much more dangerous place. So let's talk to our experts for their insight. Joining us now, again, back to the show, retired Brigadier General Blaine Holt and former Black Hawk helicopter pilot, Lieutenant Darren Galb. Gentlemen, thank you very much. And uh, General, thanks for sticking with us. I'll start off with you, General. Uh, tensions growing between Chinese military and U.S. Today, China was urging Asia-Pacific region to be on high alert as U.S. military steps forward with military deployments in the region. Uh, Compromise to, seems to be moving further and further away. There seems to be no diplomacy. Uh, what does this really mean, though, for America's future and safety as China continues, from what I can see, to just get bolder and bolder as we show more weakness? Happy New Year. It is great to be with both of you. And, Darren, I'm going to promote you to lieutenant colonel this evening. <laughs> but but the, 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 the big thing here, uh, Michael, is we have— a government with a very interesting relationship to China, which is the only reason that they're excelling right now. They could not 
show this big billy club or this uh, Louisville slugger in our face unless they had help here at home. So Xi Jinping and the CCP, they are failing right now. They actually are they're in deep trouble. The CCP has its back against the walls. They they uh, they have an economy that's being vaporized. They're in a great depression, not a recession. And uh, Wall Street's at the end of that whip. So so they need us more than we need them. What better way for the CCP to get out of its troubles than to project against the United States and our interests and potentially create a war to deflect their own population and the People's Liberation Army away from what they have done to their own nation, which is eviscerated. All right. Now, let me just double. Is, is a lieutenant colonel? He's lieutenant it, it is, right? So, Colonel, I apologize. I thought so, but uh, whatever. I apologize. I don't want to demote you for sure. If anything, I'd rather promote you. Um, but the U.S. military faces record low recruiting, right? They're leaving concerns for national security in, in that regard. And military leaders, military leaders are more concerned, from what I'm seeing anyway, and even from friends that are still in, about someone's sexuality. Can we just take a quick lesson before I ask you? Since January of this year, more than 400 anti-LGBTQ plus laws have been introduced at the state level. That number is rising and demonstrates a trend that could be dangerous for service members, their families, and the readiness of the force as a whole. All right. So, Colonel, do I have it wrong? Uh, is, the priorities of our military, have they changed and no one gave me the memo? Because this, in my opinion, impacts our military readiness. Am I, just tell me, am I wrong here? No, Michael, you're absolutely correct. It's kind of like playing darts in the bar and you throw your dart and you hit the wall and you completely miss the board. That's what's going on in our military right now is they're focused on everything except for their primary function, which is fighting and winning wars that are necessary to our nation's security. And in an all-volunteer force, you know, re-enlistment and enlistment, initial enlistments, is a reflection of leadership. And right now that reflects on our leadership very poorly, and it should because we really don't have the leadership this military needs in order to, you know, fight the nation's wars that we need to fight. Now, I will tell you that our Marines, soldiers, sailors, and airmen uh, are ready, regardless of what comes. For those, there are good leaders across the military who are ready to take this on. But what they lack, what we really truly lack, is the political will, both in the in ranks and in uh, suits and ties, to do what is necessary. So, like you said, Michael, there is a, a completely wrong focus when it comes to the military. We're not a social experiment. We're the big dog you bring off the, off the porch to win things that uh, when we need a war won. Ooh, Rod, it's exactly what we used to say when I was in the Marine Corps. You want the big dogs, you call the Marines. No, no offense. Uh, but, and don't get me wrong. When <laughs> Somebody's got to fly them there. When I needed air support, I called you guys. Let's make no mistake about it. But let, let, let me go to you, General. Recent anti-Israel protests across the U.S. are, you know, they're raising concerns. Now the NYPD is heightening security for New Year's you know, Eve ball drop. You know, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, Mayor Eric Adams, during a press conference, spoke uh, to the possibilities of protecting the ball drop. Let's take a listen to the mayor. A serious concern around safety in New Year's Eve, because there's a large number of people. Everyone, you know, look for uh, events like this if they want to do bad things. The police department is on top of it. Uh, there's an added concern because of uh, the uh, some of the protests you have been seeing. We're sure that there's going to be some type of attempt this year uh, to use that stage uh, for some other concerns that people are having. 
<laughs> so, General, how concerned should we be? Very concerned. So the protests, or I'm sorry, free terrorist activity, and the mayor won't even use the words. We are concerned about the, uh, uh, terrorism in Times Square for New Year's Eve. Michael, can you think of a bigger prize for the terrorists than to do something so emblematic for our nation as that ball drop on New Year's Eve? Uh, look, hats off to the New York City Police Department in New York's finest, because they have leadership that won't back them. They're 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 so thinly manned and they're at the end of the whip. And I, I'm so surprised that we're not hearing stories about National Guard moving in to make that event safe. We should have that event. We should show the world right. that when we want to have an event, we're going to have an event and you're not going to stop us. But but we should not be treating this light with security. We should be. Um, be taking it. this very seriously as as a terrorist target, and uh, this uh, this this they call it Palestinian protest. Is there really any difference between this and what we saw in the summer of love with BLM Antifa? No, yeah, and are they the same people? They are. Thirty seconds. We got to go, but uh, Colonel, <laughs> just give us your thoughts. The last thirty seconds. Oh, I agree. This is one of those times when we say we look them in the face and say, you know what, we're going to have whatever event we want to have wherever we want it. That's because we're America and that's what we do. So you're going to come at us, we're going to come at you harder. And by the way, that's a lesson we need to teach many people across the world, not just in New York City. Yeah. Amen to that. General Blaine Holt, <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel Darren Galb, thank you, gentlemen. And have a very blessed, happy new year. Happy new year, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. All right. Coming up, the left's obsession with going after Trump continues. Ballots have been the talk of the town in Colorado and even Michigan. Anything to stop Trump, right? Our legal panel is going to break all that down. Join us after the break. Greta Van Susteren is back. She's on Newsmax, giving you the really big stories without the spin. Watch The Record with Greta Van Susteren. She's smart, tough, and always fair. Don't miss Greta's new show. Today... Maine's Secretary of State, Shanna Bellows, announced that President Trump would be barred from the ballot following Colorado's decision earlier this month. The decision is not yet final and can still be challenged, of course, most likely from the Supreme Court. Now, in contrast, Michigan's Supreme Court has ruled to keep Trump on the ballot for the state's primary. Meanwhile, special counsel Jack Smith is determined to keep President Trump out of the race by asking a Washington, D.C. federal judge to not allow Trump to inject politics into the January 6th case. All of these Democratic witch hunts are boosting President Trump's popularity and his poll numbers going through the roof as he continues to soar above all of his competitors in the 2024 election. The left sees him as a threat and will do just about anything they can to stop him. So let's bring in our legal panel to discuss more. Trump attorney Jesse Benal and former federal prosecutor Doug Burns. Gentlemen, I can't make this stuff up. It just continues to get worse. They must be petrified of President Donald Trump. So, Jesse, let me start with you. Uh, your thoughts on the news coming out of Maine. A secretary of state unilaterally making a decision, that, that doesn't seem normal. 
No, that's right. Once again, we have the heroes of democracy that decide um, that what they want to do is unilaterally takes uh, the leading candidate for president off the ballot to try to disenfranchise the voters of their state so they don't have the opportunity to vote for Donald Trump. Um, it's important to, to remember that um, this is a case that will be reviewed by the courts. It actually, um, even before it goes to the Supreme Court, it, it hasn't even been reviewed by the main courts yet, um, and she will be subject to, to judicial review. But this really just does show how absolutely desperate they are, um, knowing that they can't beat Donald Trump at the ballot box. They're going to do everything they can um, to, uh, uh, to, to beat him through, through bureaucrats and courts. Yeah, I guess, you know, when I went to law school, that, that thing called due process, I guess they don't have that in Maine. It's just, uh, it's arbitrary, I guess. Doug, let me go to you. What's your reaction? You know, I can talk about special counsel Jack Smith all night, but then this witch hunts against President Trump, uh, including a list of demands. Jack, Jack Smith had several demands that would ban Trump yep. from mentioning agency prep for January 6th undercover agents in J6 crowd, alleged foreign influence in 2020, cross-examination of witnesses with privileges. I mean, this is nuts. Am I wrong here? Well, we can't allow the defense to bring in evidence that may contradict their baked-in, shoved-down-everybody's-throat version. And, of course, I'm being sarcastic. I mean, my goodness, you talk about due process, and I'm glad you raised that, Michael. Due process is, look, the defense gets their chance, ladies and gentlemen. They get to produce information that may contradict what you heard. I mean, again, not to be overly melodramatic, this is the absolute core of our system. And for the last 38 years, I've gone into courts, and one side presents their side, and the other side gets a full and fair opportunity to present their side. That's not what you see happening here. This is really very, very troubling, in my opinion. Seriously, Michael. But, but, Doug, I think it's been rewritten to say fair, all of that, except for Trump. you got you got to put that part in, and then none of these rules apply. Don't worry about any of this stuff that is in the legal books. The justice system doesn't apply to President Donald Trump. That's the deal. But, Jesse, the FBI has been investigating online threats against uh, justices of the Colorado Supreme Court after their ruling to disqualify Trump from the ballot. Uh, so, you know, here we go again with the death threats. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, the uh, of course, there should never be death threats against uh, any, you know, judges, prosecutors, any of these people. We need to, to beat them in the legal system and beat them at the ballot box is the is the right way to do this. But th they always want to take in and focus on threats against the left wing and they completely ignore, you know, for instance, uh, you know, Chuck Schumer's uh, words against uh, Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Gorsuch, you know, and then lo and behold, there's somebody that tries to assassinate uh, Justice Kavanaugh and his family. Um, you know, it, it is, uh, they, they only take a one-sided view of these threats. You know, for instance, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, her entire family, I think, uh, over the Christmas holidays have been swatted, um, and which is getting a, a, to be more and more popular among the left. So it's, again, part of this narrative that they try to push down our, our throat, that somehow these people are, are um, the only ones uh, being, uh, being attacked. And while nobody should have to, to live in, in fear uh, for their safety, uh, it, the news on this is very one-sided. No, I agree 100 percent. No, there is no room in our system at whatsoever in our society for, for threats against any side. But you only hear about it when it's about the left. But, Doug, let me talk to you about the Mich Michigan Supreme Court's ruling to keep President Trump on the ballot. 
I mean, sure. finally, a state with some common sense. So, so is there some hope? No, there's a lot of hope because legally it's actually much clearer than people realize. Because right in the 14th Amendment, it says that Congress shall have the power by appropriate legislation to enforce the article. So that kind of makes it clear that the courts have no role in it, seriously. And then in an amazingly important point, it says in there that Congress can override disqualification by a two-thirds vote. We know Congress can't override a decision in a court. So that, again, simply highlights that this is in Congress's lap to adjudicate this question of whether somebody is ineligible. And the beauty of it is you don't even reach any questions about who did right. what, what insurrection is. You don't need right. to reach You don't even get there. Exactly. Right. Well, excellent. I appreciate your input. Jesse Bernal, Doug Burns, we'll have you back. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Appreciate it. All right. Coming up, Biden's calling in the new year with uh, sunnies and beach sand. Uh, well, we're stuck here dealing with a whole ton of crises. We're going to talk about that when we come back. So don't go anywhere right here on Newsmax. As our borders being invaded and pro-terrorist protests flood streets across the country, one may wonder, where's our president during this time of need? Well, don't worry, folks, because good old Joe is right where a president should be in a time of crisis, on vacation. Arriving in the U.S. Virgin Islands yesterday, the president now tallying up to a whopping 417 days on vacation. Now, that's nearly 40 percent of his presidency spent not working. Yeah, it's a lack of leadership on full display. But to discuss this and more, let's welcome in the associate editor for the Newsbusters at the Media Research Center, Nicholas Fondacaro. Welcome, Nicholas. We appreciate you being with us tonight. Thanks for having me on. All right. So the president's going to finish out the year in St. Croix for some, let's say, much needed relaxation. The White House sending this out today to the press. Good morning from sunny St. Croix. A lid has been called. Enjoy your day. So just 30 minutes of work today as we're drowning in literally crisis after crisis. Is this appropriate? It really isn't at all. And especially when the house he's going to be staying at is a, a friend of his, a wealthy billionaire. And I'm not holding my breath anytime soon for ProPublica to do a massive expose on the president staying at all his friends' houses, which he's done a lot of. And it's totally inappropriate, especially when we've had a hard holiday season and then many Americans are still struggling with high prices and all of that. Yeah, I think it just shows how out of touch or maybe he just doesn't care. I mean, it's possible. But, you you know, I want to pick up on something you just said. The Bidens will be spending their vacation at a friend's house at no cost. But this isn't the first time the president's vacationed at a rich friend million dollar home. Lake Tahoe, for example, an 18 million dollar home he stayed at. Uh, Nantucket, a grand 30 million dollar stay, well, totally free on the arm. And a $20 million home in Kiowa Island, South Carolina. I mean, he's got friends with multi-million dollar houses all over the place. What is this? I mean, do most people just stay at $20, $30 million homes? Most people don't, uh, uh, except for the president. But again, we're not seeing anything from the liberal media covering this really at all. They were all over it when the accusations were being thrown around at Justice Clarence Thomas. But we're not seeing any reports of this, especially when a lot of instances the president has not disclosed this on any official forums. And 
he's hanging out with these uber wealthy friends. They're not reporting it. And we're still going to hear probably from the liberal media, even while people are pointing this out, that there's no evidence of Biden family corruption. <laughs> no, this, there's nothing to be seen here. And, you know, I know that I'm going to get some backlash because all the crazy woke liberals are going to scream, Donald Trump stays here, stays there. Let me let me set the record straight. He made his own money. He doesn't need to stay at somebody's house for free because he's a legit billionaire. So let's not even go there. Now, I just let me switch subjects a little bit because late night has <laughs> late night TV is just it's just not been the same. I used to actually watch late night. I enjoyed it. It's funny. Even Republican, Democrat, make fun of everyone. A good joke's a good joke. But take a listen to this comedian uh, that Seth Meyer invited on. I'm Leo. A bit about me. I'm a comedian. Yuck. Um, but a lot of the time when people ask me what I do, I actually like to describe myself as an activist uh, because I genuinely do think they're not going to check. So... I'm also queer. I am queer uh, specifically bisexual. And what that means for me is that I am 90% gay and 10% absolutely committed to proving my eighth grade bullies wrong. All right, so I'm sorry, but am I missing a joke here or it's just, it's just not funny? So I guess my question for you is, how do we make late night TV great again? The first part is getting rid of what he called himself, an activist, right? Like, comedy is meant to pe like, yes, the jester is supposed to poke fun at the king, but that's not really what a lot of comedy is these days. It's just being mean-spirited and just saying mean things and getting the jeers and the cheers for people who also think those mean things. And I do notice that he was putting his hand up to his ear after almost every joke. So is it basically like he's listening for the crickets, or is he trying to put pressure on the audience to laugh at his jokes? Yeah, I think even the crickets would be silent on this one because it just it just fell flat. It wasn't funny. And again, poke phone at everyone, gender this, that, the other thing, but at least be funny at it. Yeah, I just I would not tune in to late night. And I think ratings are reflecting that. And I think the American people are just tired of just the nonsense and the one sidedness of where late night has been. You know, the jokes are only, always against the right. It's never against the left. I mean, Joe Biden seems to always be on vacation. There's never a joke about that. But anyway, Nicholas Fondacaro, appreciate your input. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me on. All right, everyone, we're going to be right back. So don't go anywhere because we got a lot more Greg Kelly reports right after this. I switched. I switched. I switched. I switched to Newsmax. 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 Have you made the switch? You bet I did. My whole family switched. Millions are switching to Newsmax. You should, too. Just a few more days and we're going to be in the new year. So my New Year's resolution I'll share with you. I've decided that I'm not going to get a year older. So February, my birthday, I'm going to stay the same age. So I hope you have a uh, <laughs> I hope you can come up with one as good as that. Anyway, you know, I really do hope in the new year that our democracy is restored. Accountability is taken uh, back because, folks, you know, the truth is ultimately what matters. And, and that uh, is what I fought for in the, in the Marine Corps, in the FBI, you know, the America. America we have is, is very fragile, and I hope we can keep it. So that's a wrap for us tonight. I'm Michael Grimm, in for Greg Kelly. Have a great night and a blessed, happy new year. The Right Squad is next.